Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehila Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm here in the beautiful Studio B yet again. We're back again. With so Pastor quick. Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Hey, how are you? It. I'm doing great. Good? We are doing it. We're here. We're live and in living color. That's it. We're not live to them necessarily, <laughs> but I'm alive. You're alive. We're alive. We are, alive. We are here. We are good to Amen. go. Amen. And so welcome. If you're new here, we're exactly what we sound like. We're Christians with Torah. Christians meaning we believe in the basic Christian doctrines. We believe in the uh, the life, the ministry, and the death, burial, and resurrection of Yeshua, Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And we believe that the whole Bible, from Genesis to Maps, is relevant to believers today. That's good. And we put an emphasis on Torah because that's where we find God's teachings and instructions. Black and white instructions that say, hey, do this, don't do that true maybe think of things this way maybe don't think of things that way and so i think it's uh something that for believers today it's very important and so if this is your first time here uh or if you are watching this for a multitude of times and you have yet to subscribe like what are you doing subscribe yeah subscribe ring the bell hit the subscribe button ring the bell so you'll get notifications we put out videos usually once a week sometimes twice a week and then also uh don't forget to like this video. There's a little thumbs up button. Smash the, the thumbs up button. Don't forget to do that for us. It'd be much appreciated. I always say that at the end, and I never remember to say it at the beginning, and so I'm trying to remember to say That's it at the good. beginning. Because That's good. That's true. If I say it at the end, uh, most people The word people, is going forth. His, word, his word will not come back null and void. That's and the beauty of this. So for the first four seasons, we did the tour portions. So if like you're looking for something on, what's this week, Kitetse, something like that, we're in Deuteronomy, and you're looking for uh, a, a portion, you can go back and, and watch that portion. Uh, there's four episodes on each portion, whether the first three years are audio only, you can find those on podcast yeah. platforms, the, the fourth year is on video. That's right. And then last year we did Matthew, the whole gospel. We did a year and a half of the gospel of Matthew. A year and 18 months, yeah. Yeah, so... A year and no, eighteen months total. Eighteen months. A year yeah. and a half. Yeah, yeah. yeah, a year and eighteen months. That doesn't sound right. No, I was like, oh, because a year's man. twelve months. That's correct. <laughs> it was eighteen months. <laughs> Not two and a half years, just one yeah. and a half. And then uh, this year we're doing the book of Acts, and let me tell you, the Acts of the Apostles are exciting. And so we're in chapter seven today. Uh, we're going to be doing verses twenty through thirty-eight, all the way through to the end of the chapter. Praise God! And uh, who's going to read first? I don't think it's the end of the chapter. It's not. No, I think it's broken up into three parts. Ooh, Chapter you're seven right, is really you're right, big. You're right. You're right. Because it's it's his sermon. I remember we talked about this Stephen's multiple sermon. times. So we said we got Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph. Yep. And now we're going to be hitting the storyline of Moshe. That's right. So if you want to read verses twenty through twenty-three. That's right. And the context here is that Stephen is before the council in Jerusalem, the Sanhedrin. They're accusing him, uh, falsely accusing him of talking against the Torah. Right. Right. And against the temple. That's right. And so remember, if those are false accusations, then that means that he didn't talk against the Torah. Right. And he didn't talk against the devil. This is true. And we shouldn't either. Praise God. That's good. All right. So let me read verses 20 through 23. In which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house three months. And when he was cast out, 
Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. And when he was a full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. Wow, there's a lot in those four verses. little synopsis there. So uh, in Exodus chapter 2, verse 2, it says exceeding fair. But he was a goodly child. He was a beautiful little child. And uh, he was a baby. Yeah. And so when he, he, you know, and we know that uh, we won't go into the scriptures, but the reference is Exodus chapter two, verses one through 11, if you want to recapture that. But of course, we know Miriam is the firstborn, Aaron is the middle child, and Moses is the baby. So Miriam is sent to watch what would happen to little Moshe along the riverbank there. And so made it to Pharaoh's house and the daughter came out and um, she called him Moses. And Which Moses means drawn means from the water. Drawn out. Yeah, yeah. it means drawn out. It's an Egyptian out. word. That's it. It's an Egyptian word. So he was drawn out of the water. And of course, um, it was interesting that um, Miriam was able to approach the Pharaoh's daughter and say, Would you like for me to get a nursemaid for her, for yeah, Moses? That's right. right. That's right. And so she went and got her mother. So uh, Moses was weaned and, and, and breastfed by his mother. Talk about favor. And then raised in Pharaoh's court, the prince of Egypt. I love it. That's a good. That's a good. Good animation. But yeah. anyway, um, and of course, you know, um, so he's 40 years old, means testing. 40 means testing. Yeah. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights. They were in the wilderness for 40 years. Yeshua was in the wilderness for 40 days. So 40 means testing. I'm glad that's over with because I'm 56. And um, of course, you know, we have this unfolding now that, that he's finding out that he's a Hebrew. Because it talks about uh, to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. So he had some kind of compassion on them, or somehow he got a revelation, I think. And I wonder what it's like to find people. out, like, hey, you've been growing up in the palace. It as doesn't an say, how did you find out? that? We can ask Moses that. How did you find out that you were a Hebrew? And tell me, Moses, how did that make you feel? I'm telling you. Did you feel like everything you ever knew was a lie? I'm telling you. <laughs> So you got anything you want to share on that? I, I do. It says in verse 22, it says, And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. Now, uh, to make a statement like this, if we look back from an archaeological standpoint, Egypt is like the standard for archaeology. Everything else is kind of based off of Egyptian history because we have so much information that's written from the Egyptians that has helped us to... Uh, unlock historical events, even in other cultures surrounding. It was the a area. superpower, absolutely. And at that time, yeah, saying that he was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians is a pretty big deal because they were big in science and in math, and especially in reading and writing. One of the things that people don't consider is, you know, hey, Moses wrote the Torah, so Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He wrote them, and people argue that he didn't write them because they're trying to say, like, well, they didn't have that type of an alphabet when Moses would have written it. So if he was learned in the um, wisdom of the Egyptians, so to speak, then he would have written in hieroglyphics. Now, here's what's interesting. Recent documentary came out, put out by CBN, called The Oracles of God. You've heard this? When we were at NRB, they were announcing it. There was posters and stuff uh, promoting the oracles of God. And so my mother-in-law bought it on DVD, gave it to me. I watched it and I was like blown away. It's really well done. And it's just giving you the history of how the Old Testament came to be and 
how today we have like the Dead Sea Scrolls and all that. So it gives us kind of the second half that goes in the Dead Sea Scrolls. But part of it that I caught on to that I thought was interesting is that the Egyptian hieroglyphic characters, characters can either represent a letter or a sound, or they can also represent a word. But there's like somebody trying to learn hieroglyphics has to learn like eight or 900 (laughs) characters. That's a lot, right? So one of the reasons that that language didn't persist is because it's difficult for the common man to learn. It would be difficult even for us to learn, right? Because if there's eight or 900 characters, that's that's, that's difficult. However, the phonetic alphabet didn't exist supposedly at the time of Moses. However, they discovered manuscripts of not Paleo-Hebrew, because Paleo-Hebrew is like the, the lines and stuff, but the one that's the precursor where it has the symbols, where like you have the bulls, the, you know, one symbol, and you have the um, little triangle with the line is another symbol. These were symbols uh, like for the Dalit, for example. It had 22 characters, which is the same as what the Hebrew Aleph Beit has. Right. And so uh, the scholarship is moving in the direction of saying that Moses, <clears throat> being educated in the palace in Egypt by you know Pharaoh's people, right, would have known this phonetic alphabet. It was a burgeoning alphabet that was created that had 22 characters that represented sounds rather than um, than whole words, like the, the 900 characters in the right. hieroglyphics. And so his ability to read and write, we all know that he would have been able to read and write. A, we know he wrote something, right? right. And B, he was educated in the palace. That's true. But the fact that we have the first alphabet being right. used to write down the words of Torah right. and putting the archaeology with the Bible— Right. Is incredible, right? Because right. now we have, you know, a connection to say, well, this is how that was done. Right. Moses would have written it in this alphabet. Right. And that's why. That would that, make sense. And that it would have been Hebrew. And they say we actually got our current alphabet based upon Hebrew. So I don't know. Absolutely. I mean, that that's something to think about. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, I'm going to read verses 24 through. Am I reading or are you reading? I'm reading. Oh, right? I'm, I'm reading. Oh, you are? I don't remember. Yeah, it's my turn. Okay. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. Once again, here's Moses. For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. And the next day he showed himself unto them as they strove and would have set them at one again, saying, Sirs, you are brethren. Why do you wrong one to another? But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? Would thou kill me as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? Mm. Interesting. So the the Hebrew slave was being beaten, and he took out the Egyptian. So and then he saw two other brothers fighting, and he tried to break it up. So it says he defended and avenged the oppressed. <coughs> I think that you know there's a lot of talk today about toxic masculinity, you know, and I don't think masculinity is toxic. I think the ability to, uh, to do violence is a gift that God gives men to protect. from What, a righteous indignation? Correct. But it says he defended and avenged the oppressed. We should all strive to have the character that would defend and avenge the oppressed. Now, uh, there's two separate things going on here, right? He defends and avenges the, the oppressed, but then he sees as uh, two Hebrews then are striving with each other fighting so to speak and he comes in to stop you know to break up the fight and they right in their you know anger or whatever they say to him who made thee ruler and judge over us 
Wilt thou kill me as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? So he already had empathy. He was already being prepared. Right. Because he's in Pharaoh's court as a, as a prince of Egypt. Right. And so, you know, Stephen's, Stephen's giving this, this storyline and explaining, you know, how we get to the, the day. So it gets interesting. We're going we're gonna to keep rolling. So you want me to read uh, Then Fled Moses on verse 29? Yeah. Yeah, basically, um, go ahead and do that, yeah. Okay. So then fled Moses at this saying, and was a stranger in the land of Midian, where he begat two sons. And when 40 years were expired, there appeared to him in the wilderness in Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord in a flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he wondered at the sight. And as he drew near to behold it, the voice of the Lord came unto him, saying, I am the God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses trembled and durst not behold. Then said the Lord to him, Put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. I have seen, I have seen the affliction of my people, which is in Egypt, and I have heard their groaning, and am come down to deliver them now, and now come, I will send thee into Egypt. Wow. So the first 40 years, he's the prince of Egypt. Right. The next 40 years, he's at Midian. That's right. Midian, it is the northern area of today's Saudi Arabia. Midian, it is the northern area of today's Saudi Arabia. Of course, the Midianites, Abraham married who? Keturah? Keturah later, yeah, yeah. And then had Midian, who became the Midianites, which is kind of family. Yeah, after the death of Sarah. So another 40 years has passed, and he witnesses the burning bush. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. So he's 80 years old. And when Moses saw it, he wondered at the sight, and as he drew near to behold it, the voice of the Lord came unto him, saying, I am the God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, and the God of Joseph and Ryan. <laughs> then Moses trembled and durst not behold. Then said the Lord to him, Put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. He goes, I have seen, I have seen the affliction of my people which is in Egypt, and I have heard their groaning, and am come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send thee into Egypt. So there's like a theophany in this bush. Had to take off his sandals. God's in the bush. And notice he churned to see the burning bush. So he was very cognizant and, 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 and yeah, in know, the, in the Hebrew, sober, like the vigilant. sage writings and stuff, they make a big deal about the fact that Moses was the type of individual that when seeing the bush burning would turn to, to pay attention. Cause to it was a normal uh, situation out there that bushes would catch on fire from the heat. Right. And, and different dryness. things like that. Yeah. But for, for some reason, this really caught his interest. Right. So, and, and the bush was not consumed. I don't think it mentions that here. That's true, yeah. That the, the bush, bush is burning. Go back and read it in context, yeah. So I, I wonder, like, sometimes when the Bible describes things in this manner, like, I wonder if it's burning like an actual flame of fire, like with heat, or is this wow. like something that's just like appearing on this bush, you know, like the presence and of the Lord. And it wasn't consumed, so that's interesting. Yeah. And he can differentiate between the natural and the supernatural. Yeah. So the natural is just sitting there. Yeah, those leaves aren't burning. It's continuing no. to just... It's a spiritual burn. Yeah. Ooh. Fire. <laughs> and that's his presence. Yeah. Know? Libby says, don't call down the fire. I, I'm fine with that. If it, I mean, <laughs> don't call down the if fire. If he consumes me, he consumes me. If he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't. But I mean, I want the fire, God. It's his presence. Yeah. My daughter was wearing Tongues a shirt of fire. fire. Tongues of fire. Morning. Remember that? I do. That's what I'm saying. But the, Acts, the, there was a thing about two, fire. fire. We wore a shirt. I think it was post Pacall's class. Our, our little kids' class wore like some shirts one day 
that had a flame of fire on them. Talking yeah. about the Holy Spirit. My daughter was running that this morning when I left. So this is uh, very interesting that this happens. And notice it's out in the wilderness. See, I will lure her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her heart. You know, that's the beauty of that. In Hosea, that's a prophecy. So that's a place of isolation. Right. So you can speak to us. So we spend alone time with God. And it's funny that you mentioned that because if you think of it, this is Moses being prepared. And the time of preparation that God puts each and every one of us through, we're never like super excited about it. So he's, you know, he's tending his father-in-law's sheep on the backside of a mountain. He had seven daughters, did he? Uh, Jethro, yes. Jethro had seven daughters. But he's on the backside of this this mountain, and he's tending the sheep when finally, like, the opportunity comes, right? So, so you know, what do they say? Success is when opportunity and preparation meet, right? Um, I think that's, that's a, a key thing, right? He was an overnight success, 80 years in the making, <laughs> you know? And uh, I think that's... I think it's just one of the, the truths So success is when preparation and opportunity? Opportunity and preparation meet, yeah. Preparation and opportunity meet, yeah. You can, you can flip-flop them. Um, you know, he also told him to take off his sandals because the place wherewith they, you stand is, is holy ground. Yeah. And, you know, this, this mountain um, is this Mount Sinai, right? This is Sinai that he brings the people back to. Am this, I right? This could be it. Yeah, I would think so. He's well, taking the he's right? taking the people where he, he where he's already been. Right. It says that it says in verse thirty. It says when forty years were expired, there appeared to him in the wilderness on the Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord in the flame of yeah. fire in a bush. Wow. And it says it's an angel of the Lord, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which is also another interesting topic to see, like wh- the agency of the Lord, or when it's an angel, when it's him himself, when it's Yeshua, Captain of the Lord of Hosts. Right. Exactly. Um, so this is at Mount Sinai. A theophany. And and so um, we know, I think, from present scholarship that Sinai is not in Sinai, <laughs> right? It's not in the Sinai Peninsula in the traditional right. site, so to speak, but that Sinai is actually in Saudi Arabia. Right. And that it's, uh, for whatever reason, a, a, a conspiracy to keep it, you know, away from the public and to right. keep people away from it. But I've seen, you know, you know videos and documentaries where people have actually gone there and, and seen it. And it just makes me think, like, where there is the place where God's presence actually was, you know, in that burning bush that you would, like, need to take off your sandals and prostrate, you know what I mean? Like, that you would hit, like, that that moment. That's powerful. It is. Just reflecting on that is just so powerful. Well, and I, and I just, I think about even, like, the Temple Mount, like, these places, I, for me at least, it's foreign to me that a, a place, so to speak, is revered. Like, right. I know throughout history, people build memorials and, and things and monuments, but like, oh, this is the spot where this thing happened, so let's build a church here to, to you commemorate know, commemorate it. it. And, you know, to me, it, the knowledge of the fact that it happened is more important than the place where it happened, maybe. That's true. But then, because like, I don't necessarily know that, like, I'm going to go and stand on that spot and now some miracle is going to happen because of the spot. Because I can, you know, just like the centurion and Jesus, when he encounters him and he says, oh, I'm a man of authority, and I know that you could just say the word, and then my servant will be healed. You need right. to go there. And so I think that's the way I, I've always thought. But then, like, slowly but surely, I think over time, understanding the importance that God puts on a place, right? Hamakom, the place, the Temple Mount, how places are actually important. And why? If no other reason than God said it, this place is important. 
and so anyway, so and, and then maybe some places are more important than others. You guys, you know, I think probably follow what I'm saying, but I'm, it was foreign to me. And, and recently I'm kind of understanding the importance of the places, you know, so to speak. Let me uh, read 35 to 38 as we finish up this. This Moses whom they refused saying, who made thee a ruler and a judge? The same did God send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel, which appeared to him in the bush. Mm. So what what they're saying here, what Stephen is saying, is that, yes, he was a ruler and a judge. Yes. Like, who are you? Right. What are you, the pastor? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, actually. <laughs> <laughs> he brought them out. After that, he had showed wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness 40 years. Wow, that's, we're going back. We're going back um, 3,500 years ago. So there's 40 years old that he's the prince of Egypt. And for another 40 years, he's in the land of Midian gets married and has two sons. The next 40 years, he's in the wilderness. 40, 40, and 40. This is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren. Like unto me, him shall you hear. That's Yeshua. He's alluding to Yeshua. And this is he, verse 38, that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him in the Mount Sinai and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us. This is where Eddie Chumney says that Yeshua was there when the Torah was given. Oh, yeah. So the Son of God was there. And notice the church was in the wilderness. It wasn't created in Acts chapter 2 as a new entity. The church means the ecclesia, the called out ones. I'm sorry. Does this say... That was in the church in the wilderness? We could go back 3,000 years Is that a mistranslation? That's a really good point. The church, but this is the book of Acts. The church started in the book of Acts, The book Pastor of Acts Nick. is a continuation of the book of the Old but, Testament. Yeah. It's a continuation of a people. You know. But this is the church was in the wilderness in Sinai. How is that possible? I know. That was that rock that followed them in the wilderness, wasn't it? Doesn't it say that as well? The rock Everything that followed I've them known in the is a lie. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not a new entity. No, the point it's is... It's always been around. The church is not a new entity that started in Acts 2. Period, end of story. Those right. people that will tell you that they are, they're using that in order to push a certain agenda that they desire to believe in. They want to believe doesn't make sense. in dispensationalism yeah. and they're having to overlay something on the text that it doesn't say. It clearly says... The church, which was in the wilderness, it's the ecclesia. Right. Even in the Septuagint, it, the wilderness assembly is, is translated or is uh, is that we use the word ecclesia. It's the same group. It's the assembly. It means the people of God that are assembled, right? So we use the modern day word church, but we could say the assembly of God. <laughs> See what I did <laughs> the there? assembly of God. I've heard of that. Yeah, that's Pentecostal. Oh yeah. So. Um, this is where we leave off. Yeah. So what's your points? Some more. What you got some points? Well, you know, um, I would say this. I would say, number one, that God has a family. Mm. He started with the angels. Number one, he started with the angels. Then he, of course, made us in his image and wants us to be a part of his family, to do his purposes, his, his bidding. And uh, that's number one. Number two is, you know, um, the family of God is bigger than you think. We'll leave it at that. It's mm. bigger than you think. It's bigger than you think. It's bigger than you think. So. so my first point was we should revere the heritage of the patriarchs as our own. That's good. 
when we are reading this, you know, even uh, Paul later on in his letters will say, our fathers, right, when referring to these same stories, our fathers wandered through the, the wilderness, right? And he's talking to Gentile believers in Yeshua. And so when we put on Christ, we become the seed of Abraham, according to Galatians 3.29. And as the seed of Abraham, this is now our heritage. We're reading these things, and we're now grafted in. And this story becomes our story, because it's God's story. It's the story that God gave us. Amen? That's good. And so my second one was that um, Jesus, Yeshua, is the prophesied one that Moses said would come. That's right. That's pretty good. uh, I have zero doubt, right, of that statement. Uh, unfortunately, there are those within the Hebrew Roots movement um, who go into Judaism. You know, they start watching, you know, the rabbis on, on YouTube and stuff like that. And the, again, from the Oracles of God, remember I mentioned that, that documentary. I watched something by uh, a rabbi who was talking about the deceptiveness of the Christian translators of the Bible, Right. And if you're in the Hebrew roots and you've already bought into the understanding that like, hey, these people that came before us within Christendom, especially the quote-unquote Roman Catholic Church, Constantine, that whole bit, they've been lying to us all this time, then you're already in that conspiracy mindset thinking they're going to lie to us. That's true. Right? And so what he does is he takes uh, chapter 22, verse 16 of the Psalms, right? So Psalm twenty-two, sixteen, 16, and uh, where is it, where is it, where is it? This is bonus, by the way. This is, you guys are here for the bonus, the bonus package, 2216. And in 2216, the verse says, For dogs have compassed me, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me, they pierced my hands and my feet. All right? Now, in the Masoretic text, the Hebrew literally says, Like a lion, they're at my hands and my feet. Okay? Because it's kolari is, is the words there. Now, this is the Masoretic text, and this is, this is unfortunate because there's, there's confusion in some little things about right. certain things in the text. But the Septuagint in the Greek translates it as, they pierced my hands and my feet, and the Dead Sea Scrolls. There's a fragment, literally like this big, right? Yeah. And just all it has on it is those words of that verse from Psalm 22, and it says, they pierced my hands and my feet. And it's like, you know, this guy's over here, trying to point fingers at a Masoretic text is from, what, the 1500s, 1000, you know, somewhere around there, the, um, the Codex. And we're talking a 1,000 years prior, and then even, you know, 300 years before that right. with the Septuagint translated right. as, they pierced my hands and my feet. So, right. anyways, the prophesied one wow. is Yeshua. Yeah, it is him. And I have no doubt about it. So. It's your turn to pray. All right, I'm going to pray. Father, thank you, Father, we love you. We thank you, God. We thank you for the heritage that you have given us through your son, Yeshua, through our father, Abraham, God. And we are just excited for the return of your son, Lord, that we will participate in your kingdom that will be coming here to earth, God. A thousand year reign. Lord. We, we, our minds are boggled, oh, yeah. Lord. We don't even know what's going to be happening, God. We know, what, right. we know what we can read and learn from the past, Lord. And so you, we just Father. ask you to open up these scriptures and reveal to our hearts what you would have us receive and do from these things. And we just bless your holy name today. In the name of your Son, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus of Nazareth, yes. the King, the Messiah, the Lord of Lords. Amen. A- Hallelujah. That's Amen. awesome. All right, keep the conversation going in the comments, guys. Uh, if you want to reach out to me directly, you can reach me via email, orion at twopraise.net. Bless you guys. Have a great week.